eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another episode of the Swamp 247 Podcast. I'm your host, Graham Hall, joined once again by my co-worker, my co-host, Jacob Rudner. And we are here today to talk about, break down, discuss, whatever you want to call it, a win for the Gators, which it was a pretty, I think, dominant one. You could say in many aspects for Florida, never really faced a huge threat from the Commodores, but there is a lot to discuss and break down from the contest, what it means for the Gators, what we saw out of a Vanderbilt team that displayed some unexpected things on offense. And we're just going to get right into that today. Jacob, we'll start with Florida offensively the Gators I think got some explosion from the run game you saw some breakout performances I think you saw some better blocking along the offensive line in particular that was able to create some of those holes as well as you know allow Graham Mertz to face some pressure throughout the game once again so a little bit of a mixed bag we'll dive right into it just what did you think about Florida's offensive performance against this Commodores defense that you said coming into this matchup was a bit of a woeful one and would give the Gators a lot of opportunities to be successful. What did you come away with thinking about Florida's offensive performance? Yeah, I think that uh, it was good and it was necessary and it checked a lot of boxes that it needed to check. Uh, Do I think that it was overwhelming in any capacity, overwhelmingly positive? No, not really. Do I think that it was uh, negative in any way, really, in any capacity? No, I also don't. Uh, this was adequate to me. As, as we said, if you listen to the podcast, um, we talked a lot last week, Graham, about just what this Vanderbilt defense brought to the table in terms of its efficacy uh, and its skill. And I had said before that I, I genuinely believe that that 
group was probably the second worst defense that Florida will face this year behind only McNeese. I actually think Charlotte has a much better defense that's capable of generating much more push. And so I don't want to assign too much uh, credit. I don't want to go too overboard necessarily in my takeaways from this game. I really do believe that Vanderbilt uh, is as bad as it's been in recent years defensively. Uh, This is a team that has struggled to stop significantly worse opponents than Florida. Uh, And so we're not going to read too much into this. That being said, on its surface level, just, you know, for what it was worth, a a really good game. Graham Mertz completed 83% of his passes. He's completing 80% of his passes on the season. Uh, Florida did hit on six big play passes, you know, 15 plus yard pass plays, only two for more than 20 yards, which I think is an important distinction uh, as we continue to kind of track Florida's explosiveness. Uh, You mentioned, Graham, the area that I thought was the most positive for Florida, and that would be its run game. Montrell Johnson looked like old Montrell Johnson, Montrell Johnson of 2022, uh, which was important, especially because the Gators were without Trevor Etienne for this contest. Uh, He's dealing with a concussion, should be able to play uh, in Columbia against South Carolina when when the Gators go there this week. Uh, but, But solid, 145 rush yards. Uh, on explosive rushes, which is 10 or more yard rush plays. Uh, that is obviously significant. Um, you know, look, I, I, you, you don't want to assign again. You don't want to, you don't want to go too overboard uh, with the positives after a contest like that. And I think Billy Napier knows that as well. Uh, he, he has talked now on several occasions uh, just about not getting too caught up in the losses and equally not the wins. And so I think that this is it's one game. Uh, Florida did what it needed to do. I would describe its performance as adequate against a really poor team, uh, probably closer to good. Uh, you know, solid is, is a really, I think, fair way to describe exactly what happened in Gainesville on Saturday. Do I think it was, you know, overwhelmingly positive? Did it give me uh, hope uh, in term or, or confidence that the Gators are going to be able to now go on the road and look like a different team? No, frankly, it did not. Um, and that's not because Florida performed poorly. Again, it, it's just because I, I don't want to get too high on a performance against a team that I have been saying since you know we started talking about Vanderbilt that is just not very good. So uh, again, adequate, solid, decent, uh, good run game, offensive line, good run blocking, pass protection, questionable. Mertz needs to get rid of the ball a little bit faster. He and Billy Napier said that. Uh, some solid production in the explosive department on the pass side, uh, only two over 20 yards, like I said earlier. Explosive run department, really good. Uh, again, Vanderbilt defense, really bad. So my question now from this contest is what exactly happens with momentum moving forward? Uh, what are the Gators able to take from this game and apply in South Carolina? Uh, and, and how will that translate to achieving more success? Florida's 9-2 and two at home under Billy Napier and one and seven on the road. Let's see how that gap can be bridged over these next several weeks. Uh, And this could be, despite being a home game, a solid jumping off point for the Gators. Yeah, big picture. I definitely see that there are a lot of questions for this Florida team. And we'll definitely talk a lot more about those on Thursday when we preview the Florida at South Carolina matchup uh, venue that Billy Napier said on Monday is a pretty intimidating one, williams Bryce Stadium. And it definitely comes with a set of challenges considering Florida is 0-2 in road games to start this season. So absolutely a lot more to talk about later in the week. But Billy Napier is also someone, as much as you said, maybe the overall view of Florida's offensive performance wasn't entirely, I think, enthusiastic, whatever you want to say 
about it. There are a lot of intangibles, I think, from the continued rise of young players within this offense. And we saw several that I think made an impact on this game from Eugene Wilson to Arliss Boardingham specifically, who I think showed what kind of weapon he can be in the passing game as a second year tight end, a guy who's fairly new to the position, but also something we talked about last week, Cam Waits was going to make his return for the Gators. And he showed his ability to be that swing tackle for the Gators. He played, I think, uh, a high amount of snaps and played at left tackle and at right tackle for the Gators. So that was absolutely, I think, in terms of just intangibles, perhaps that you could take away from this team's offensive performance, that has to be reassuring. You see, you saw Najee Harris at center. You saw a wide variety of young players involved in the game, first, second year players. Jacob, you wrote about that at swamp247.com. If you haven't checked it out, make sure you do. And just how encouraging was that in your mind has to be for this program to have a high volume of young players and, you know, take that next step, especially for a team looking to use them and have a little more confidence, some momentum going on the road, like you just talked about. Yeah, well, there's no denying the importance of of strong performances, especially for young players who might still be trying to find their footing at the college level. Arliss Boardingham is a great example. We talked to him after the game, and he said very honestly that his practice habits uh, were keeping him off the field early on in the season. He was able to make some changes. He starts to become a, a little bit more of a focal point in this Florida offense. And now I would argue that Arliss Boardingham is the most offensively productive tight end at Florida that we've seen since Kyle Pitts. I mean, Florida has not done a good job of incorporating that position into its passing offense in recent years. Last year, it really struggled in that capacity. It relied on Dante Zanders and Keon Zipperer, who's now out with a torn ACL, uh, a whole bunch in the passing game, and the results were middling at best. And this year, we see a little bit of a change. Uh, not as effective is that group in its in its run blocking, in its protections, uh, but more effective is it in the passing game. And I would argue that given Florida's offensive struggles and tendencies to not necessarily be explosive or consistently productive on the offensive end, the more playmaking guys that you can get involved in your offense is critical. And I think that you know young players like Arliss Boardingham and Eugene Wilson, who scored his first touchdown uh, against Vanderbilt, Trayon Webb, who rushed four times for over 70 yards in the game. Uh, these are all young kids who are going to be able to glean some confidence at a minimum from their own performances. And, and, and you know, I go back to a comment I made earlier. Yes, Vanderbilt is not the strongest defense. This was a game where I would expect some younger, more inexperienced players to be more successful. It's less of a challenge. It's simply that's just the truth. That being said, you, you're not going to take anything away from the guys who performed really well. And Arliss Boardingham performed really well. Najee Harris got experience along the offensive front. And granted, wasn't necessarily the cleanest performance from him, but that's an opportunity to learn and get better. Uh, you know, I mentioned Eugene Wilson. That's somebody who I think benefits a lot. Uh, we can go to the defensive side of the ball, which I know we'll, we'll talk about more here in a second. But TJ Searcy is somebody who stands out to me. He was Florida's highest graded player, regardless of position, offense or defense in the game. Made a critical stop on a fourth down and, and, and forced and, and recovered a fumble. It's a great game. Something that he can learn from and build confidence from. So yes, uh, it is important, of course, that Florida's young players continue to be incorporated in its system, uh, continue to learn the operation and exactly how Billy Napier wants things done, and, and to be able to execute those things. Those things matter not only for Florida's pursuits within its current season, but as well for seasons beyond it. These are all guys who are going to be back in the fold, barring something unforeseen 
for next season, which will not be easy for the Gators with one of the hardest schedules I've ever seen for any college football team uh, on tap. And so, you know, the more experience and success that you can build up with the guys who you're going to be relying on next year is critically important. And so, yes, are we going to overhype the result? Are we going to read too much into the result? No. But does it matter in a very significant way on an individual level? I think, of course, it does. And 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 Florida should see some benefit from that. I would think immediately. You, you would you would hope if you're Florida that you go to a place like Columbia, South Carolina, and your younger players are feeling more equipped to be able to deal with a more hostile environment or to be able to deal with the you know the throws and and, and the changes that come so rapidly on the road and how things can feel like they're adding up. Like Billy Napier told us, all of this is experience under their belt. Experience is a positive in most cases. Uh, and I, I, like I said in my, in my previous response, Graham, I think that I'm curious to see what it turns into, but I'm not quite sure what it's going to look like yet. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I asked Billy Napier on Monday about how he evaluates first-year players, second-year players who are going to be able to be in these high-usage situations uh, from an early age. Let's call it like that, you know, as underclassmen, especially coming into a team that does have some veterans, does have some third, fourth, fifth-year players that were even brought in by the staff, uh, by the transfer portal. So I do think it is a testament to uh, the high ceiling that a lot of these players have. And I think even though we, you know, are maybe like discussing what it can mean for Florida long-term, I think a lot of that does remain to be seen, of course, how Florida capitalizes on momentum. So I'm a little hesitant to maybe say that the Vanderbilt win is not a huge positive for this offense, because I'm going to have to wait to see how they come out 
against the Gamecocks. That's just pretty much just where I stand right now, because especially with it leading up to a bye week, you don't want to sit on a loss for 11 days before you got to play the number one team in the country in Georgia. That is a potentially a long stretch where you are just licking your wounds. And that's not something that I think the Gators want whatsoever. So absolutely, if this game is a momentum builder for this offense, if they can move forward and execute better, um, that, that'll absolutely, I think, will the win will age better in my mind right now. So a lot of my thoughts, I think, are a little bit still out there on this game whatsoever. But I do think we agree that from an execution standpoint, Florida's offense was able to execute better than Vanderbilt's offense, obviously. Look at the scoreboard, right? And I think that is a testament to the Florida defense, which I did think had a bounce-back performance. Remember, this was a Vanderbilt offense that even with a different quarterback, A.J. Swan was available despite an injury. So he could have played technically, but Vanderbilt goes with Ken Seals. And I think you you saw less of a potent offense potentially there and give the Gators some credit. Yeah, they gave up that long play to, uh, you know, Will Shepard there where Jason Marshall Jr., you know, let's call a spade a spade. Billy Napier even said this, that they may have heard that his, you know, face mask got tugged. Someone insinuated that maybe he got poked in the eye. Whatever it was, Vanderbilt has an explosive play. That's one of their two touchdowns on the afternoon. But otherwise, I thought a really clean performance by the Gators. Yes, they gave up some explosive plays. But, Jacob, what did you see in Florida's bounce-back defensive performance after going to Lexington and not being able to contain this Wildcats rushing attack? What did you see from Florida in getting back in the win column from a defensive standpoint? It was a good game. I think it falls into the same category as what we just talked about with Florida's offense, where this is a Vanderbilt team that is unimpressive for the most part. It's limited in terms of what it can do. But I will say this. I did think that the Vanderbilt offense presented more challenges, regardless of how challenging it was, but more challenges than what its defense presented for Florida. And so I do think that there was some value that could be taken from you know, a guy like Jakeem Jackson gave up a huge 52-yard reception and then, you know, looks really good in a, in a goal line stand, has back-to-back pass breakups and, and prevents touchdowns. He forces a turnover on down. That's another young player, uh, you know, going back to what we just talked about. Florida was able to put some pressure on the quarterback. I think most importantly from this game, Florida was able to generate turnovers, three fumbles that it caused, one that it actually recovered, but still the fact that it's starting to get the ball out and to create opportunities to generate turnovers was something that we hadn't seen in Florida's previous five games. And it was something that Billy Napier had outright said, we need to do better at defensively if we really want to give ourselves a shot when we get into the far more difficult second half of the schedule. And so I I do see a lot of value in Florida being able to do that in this game. I think that they can kind of learn from the opportunity in terms of when it's best to try and create turnovers and be aggressive versus when it might be best to try and play a little bit more prevent and not be as aggressive. That's kind of a balance young defenses struggle to find quickly. And this might've been a game where Florida was able to realize those kinds of opportunities and understand here's a good spot for us to try and be aggressive and generate a fumble or to try and be aggressive in attacking a pass in hopes of maybe, you know, grabbing an interception versus let's, play better pass defense and be more conservative, or let's try and wrap up and and get a tackle that doesn't come with a fumble. I I think that that balance was struck really well throughout this contest. Um, Florida did a good job in in, in limiting rushing yards. 
which was something that, you know, had been a problem to a degree, looked really good in this game. Only 3.1 yards allowed per carry was a huge issue. The week prior in, in Lexington, Ray Davis rushed for 280 yards alone. Kentucky as a team, over 300 yards on the ground in that contest. In this one, not even 70 yards on the ground. So again, significant improvement. Uh, I, I will say this though, over the last year and a half, we're now through exactly one and a half seasons under Billy Napier's instruction. Florida's defense has been excellent in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, dating back to when Patrick Tony was defensive coordinator. The Gators are averaging 18.7 yards allowed, yards, 18.7 points allowed per game at home. That is a really great figure. We saw that level of performance continue against Vanderbilt. This was not a, you know, this was not a revelatory performance. We did not learn something new, in my opinion, about the Florida defense. I think a lot of young players played really well, which is important. But at the end of the day, this was a this was a showing that agreed with the track record that Florida has set for itself in 11 home contests. They are very stout defensively at home. Giving up big, high-scoring point totals in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium is a little bit rare for this defense. LSU last year is one game that stands out quite clearly. But even you look back at a loss like Kentucky last year in Gainesville, Florida only surrendered 26 points in that game. So the defensive performances at home have been there. Where they have not been very good is on the road. And, and, and this will be a topic more for our Thursday podcast. But Florida is allowing 33 points per game away from Gainesville. And so, you know, I, I, I go back to this. I think that you put it really well. This was a game where I think we won't necessarily understand the benefit until we see more games. How is Florida able to utilize the momentum that it generated offensively and defensively in order to be able to put a cleaner product on the field against teams like South Carolina or to get through a bye week and to go to Jacksonville and to look competitive against a Georgia team that has held on to the number one spot in the nation for the vast majority of the last now three seasons. So, you know, I, I, it, I'm waiting and seeing, honestly, for, for how much I, I, I think these performances will benefit Florida. They looked really good on both sides of the ball. Florida's defense was stout. Uh, it, it allowed, you know, significant passing yards, 219 yards through explosive passes in the contest. But Florida only allowed 14 points. And so the scoreboard to me is, is the great indicator uh, of, of your performance, you know, regardless of, of what it took to get there. And Florida did a good job. Uh, but, you know, let's all uh, take some caution as we proceed in, in assigning value to this performance. I think it was uh, valuable on its face and that Florida needed a win. It needed to perform well. Now let's try and understand what exactly it does to impact things moving forward. I think it could be good, uh, but, but this week will be a huge test and will give us some insight as to how good exactly it was. Yeah, I definitely don't want to be too reactionary for sure, even though we are reacting to the game, what we saw in those 60 minutes. Of course, I think that difficult slate ahead. A lot of people can agree with that. You are facing three teams, the Gators are, who are going to be coming off their bye week before playing the Gators. Arkansas, South Carolina, Georgia. That is a daunting slate, and we will know more because, as Billy Napier said, last year's team did not do a good job of capitalizing on momentum. It's something he's looking for from this team. We're certainly going to talk more about this on Thursday and next week after the Gators go to Columbia, South Carolina. So stay tuned to swamp247.com. Subscribe to the podcast, like, comment. We read them. Absolutely. For Graham Hall, this has been Jacob Rudner in the Swamp 247 podcast. We'll see you next time.